Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. Dogs of Warcry is a podcast from the Mortal Realms focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. You can expect discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain, campaigns, and events. Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. In episode 5 of season 5, we're going to dive into the new expansion, Blood Hunt. We're going to talk about the new terrain, the new rules, both of the warbands, and talk about our hobby and progress along the way. Uh, my name is Josh, answering the call with, with me this week, Vince and Eric. How are you guys doing? I'm doing real well. Uh, kind of coming down off of a very eventful last few weeks here. And we'll get into that later for sure, but it's uh, it's been real good. Eric, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Been busy at work. Uh, haven't gotten as much hobby in as I wanted to. Um, so I've got a few projects that are kind of stalling uh, that uh, I need to get back on the move. But otherwise, I'm in good spirits, good health, and looking forward to Adepticon coming up here soon. Oh, so. yeah. I know it. Less than a month. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, let's have a let's have a good episode. I'll say, uh, in lieu of, or because we're kind of in prep for Adepticon, which we'll talk a little bit more about, and uh, we've had some busy weeks. Uh, this episode, I hope it's not as frazzled as I feel, but let's just enjoy our time together. Let's enjoy talking about Warcry. Let's uh, you know uh, raise a glass and have some fun. Uh, so, in that spirit, let's jump. Into the Forge of Mithraxis, we'll talk about the hobby that we've working, been working on. Usually, I pass this off, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump in first because it's a little bit light. Um, one uh, thank you to Games Workshop for uh, sending us a review copy of the Blood Hunt box. Uh, so, over the last uh, one of the busy things was trying to kind of look at the stuff and keep up with it. Unfortunately, I didn't get as much content created around it as I had wanted to. But I did get a chance to uh, paint the True Blades, the Ascurgan True Blades, uh, and felt really good about these sculpts. They're just some really cool, fun to put together, and some really cool models. Um, otherwise, I've been working real heavily on my cog fort using the uh, Necromunda Gang Stronghold as a base, but trying to um, kind of weather it like my, my cog fort army is weathered adding banners and uh, alternating colors here and there to make it feel more medieval. It's a lot. This is probably the most terrain, like of one type of terrain that I've ever tried to build and assemble and paint. Uh, for those of you who maybe have all three boxes of the Warcry boxes, you're probably feeling the same. It's probably about that much stuff. <laughs> uh, but I'm enjoying it, uh, and I'm looking forward to when it's... I played a game uh, I'll talk about a little bit, but I, I got one part of it done to play and up the, one of the missions I got to play, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, yeah, so Cogfort and a little bit of, of dabbling with the Ascurgans, which are beautiful models. Mm -hmm. uh, how about you, Vint? So last two weeks I did the two tournaments, and anybody that knows me knows that that means I did two armies in the last two weeks, pretty much stem to stern. Um, so I've I've painted so far this year almost probably a little over 4,500 points of big hammer models so it has been an absolute blitz uh i've had a lot of fun i've had some good friends help me with some of the painting 
Um, I did a 2,000-point Zeech Army um, stem to stern built primes painted in less than 24 hours of work and in about 36 hours of real people time. So, yeah, it was was a blitz. Uh, It was super cool. I got to go play an event in Peoria down at Zeke's and that was neat. It was a little bit of a haul. I got to go with one of our other guys who comes up on our work ride podcast a lot, Joe. Um, and then played with our friends, Tom and Tup. And, uh, I, I played it. It's the scoring is fun. Uh, the new scoring for the general's handbook and big hammer, not to get too off topic was super neat. Um, because it works in a way where like the, the tournament was ran where wins got you points, but also they were tracking how many points you got each game. And it came down to a three-way tie uh, where I beat the person who won the tournament in the last round. However, because he had won two games and I had tied my other two games, uh, he ended up winning overall, which was kind of funny. And uh, we played that game 100% as a joke of like, let's just play together because I don't get to see often. And it was a a super fun event that that garnered a lot of excitement. Uh, The other tournament was an event that was held at Warp Storm in Milwaukee for a 40K tournament. Uh, while I was there, I talked to them about running work uh, Warcry event out there sometime in the summer, uh, as well as running a uh, an Age of Sigmar event uh, series um, where I'd be helping at least the first few months, and that would be uh, starting at the earliest of April or May. But again, it'll be a cool big hammer event out in Milwaukee. Uh, the Warp Storm is a new is a new shop. It's going to have a coffee and restaurant inside of a game store that has all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, Quinn is one of the partners that owns it. And my other friend there, Antonio, uh, I used to work with when I worked for a different company that was gaming related and he's an absolute gem. And so it's just really cool to be there. And they put up their neon sign when I was there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, man, I cannot wait for that thing. It's just going to keep leveling up, man. It's, it's like a, it's watching a level five character, uh, stomp on squads of goblins for years. Like it's just, it's so cool to see them grow and expand. Uh, the tournament was super fun. Lots of Tundra Tactics guys there. As a member of the team, it was really neat to see everybody on the 40k side because I miss all of them. And like they bounce around with their practice locations. Uh, things listeners you might not know is normally Tundra Tactics guys uh, will practice at the same place where we play our Warcry League, which is awesome. But in order to keep it fair and, and even for businesses in the area and show support everywhere, we bounce, like the team would bounce around um, and get practices all over town, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's nice for you to support our local, our local game stores. And that is a lot of fun because then you get to meet new people at different game stores. So if you are all only playing at one game store, find some time if there's another one just to go check out the other community, maybe make some new friends. But yeah, that was, that was my... My last couple of weeks have been nuts. Um, the Zeech Army was really cool. I got it all built, painted, was really excited about it. Uh, my second game on the tournament, I didn't put it away in my case very well. Went to the third game, and I had almost, I think it was seven or eight broken models. Oh, Just no. Smashed. Yeah, it was real bad. Uh, oh. But the events were super cool. Uh, I'm still repping the Zeech. It was super fun. Uh, there were Zeech mortals, and it was a weird smattering of things. I put together the new Chaos Chosen. And those, I, I, I realized through trades, I had ended up trading into 25 of them. Wow. Uh, which is, they come in five packs, which was kind of exciting. And also like, oh my gosh, I just thought they were cool models. Yikes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm too deep, right? This is go to the 90s songs, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, they're super cool kits, man. They are like, 
uh, aesthetically they will match with your chaos legionnaires um for all of our listeners who are playing chaos legionnaires they're going to look cool they're going to look cool together uh they definitely have the gurish theme throughout um they have some really cool things that i liked like little shoulder pauldrons that are like demon heads or chaos symbols that like uh cap their pauldron to their chest is what it's supposed to look like hmm. they really just kind of cap on uh all of them have some kind of horn or extender on their their spiky bit you know a literal spiky bit that like sockets into their armor and they're all big enough you can hold on to them without stabbing yourself That's uh, <laughs> looking at everybody who built an ogroid myrmidon that has scars on their fingers from trying to push in those spikes um and that was it, it was super fun uh the tournament was cool I built, uh, built and painted the ten uh, Chaos Chosen, and they, they were on a clobbering spree every game, and had some great opponents, and just had some wonderful games. So there's, there's what I've been up to. But yeah, two thousand points is each, and thirty six hours was a, a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I, Sounds like you put them together with bubblegum too uh, to, to speed up. Yeah. The oh man, it was just you get to that end of that tournament, and you're like. You know, I'm only moving them one table across, and you just kind of do the push and shove, and that's how you end up with like with with forty carrots in the army, right? Forty carrot acolytes just pushed them into my case and set the stuff on top of them, closed the case, locked the case, moved it around a little bit, and then started pulling them out really fast. And those those spears and those glaives, I think those were three of them. Mm-hmm. One of the chaos chosen's arm didn't socket in right, so mm-hmm. I literally just needed super glue for that, but. He had li- I just put his, his mace through his horns, so he looked like he was going to ba-ram you, you know? It was pretty cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a bunch of... Uh, uh, Volkarks on Carrick's are hard to keep on without BSI glue. Bob Smith Industries, get some glue. It's good stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's nuts. It's it's It was a super fun event. Um, but yeah, they, they, they broke pretty fast. I, I'm a little sad. <laughs> no Mutalith Vortex Beast in that list, though. Okay. Um, okay. Not this time. Not this time. Next time, though. Next time. Yeah. How about you, Josh? What you what you been working on in the your hobby table? Uh, I've been working on uh, kind of converting one of the with the Blood Hunt box set, taking you know as the the trees. Two of the trees are very similar. Well, they're the same. Uh, the other trees and the other kits with the, like the dragon skull and the other one with the big uh, spine, the, the you know vertebrae. So I decided to convert one of them. I've been I kind of cut out. The dragon skull, and I've been putting in wood chips to kind of look like uh, you know some layered rock formations. I think it looks pretty good, so you know I'll definitely get you guys' opinion in person. Uh, and the other one, I'll probably do some kind of conversion, make a burrow of some sort, just kind of spruce up the, the the types of trees around the tables. So, so that's been an ongoing project that's been pretty good. But um, one of our local game stores that we play Warcry at uh, just had this kind of fun painting competition, you know, for taking one of those skeletons from Curse City. Um, so, you know, they had, what, uh, 20 skeletons. So I went ahead and chipped in to, to get one skeleton. So I spent some time painting that up for the competition. It was a little fun to try some different techniques, use a lot of oils and, uh, did some weathering with some of the pigments I have and stuff like that. So that was, it was kind of fun and I, I like how it turned out. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I, you know, we've been, even though we've been all busy, we've been chugging along and making stuff happen. So that's awesome. Looking forward to see some of that stuff uh, at our next uh, league night. Um, with that, uh, last thing in the Forge of Mithraxis was just a little update for Depticon. Obviously, that's uh, going to be coming up real fast uh, as of uh, hearing this recording. It's going to feel like uh, no time at all. For those of you that are still painting, 
your warbands and that sort of stuff, it will feel like even less time. Uh, so good luck with that. One thing we want to let you know, if you have not, if you have registered, but you don't have access or haven't read the rules pack, we want you to read the rules pack. If you don't have it, uh, check your email, but you can also go to adepticon.org forward slash event dash rules forward slash. And there, uh, it'll just have a big you know event rules and resources page. There's a drop down and almost like third from the bottom, Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, Warcry, and there's three documents there. And there's one for the Warcry tournament. And then there's one for Warcry under the bows of the Narwood narrative event. Uh, and you can, uh, that under the bows is our event. And so you want to go look that up. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh, what are some of the, is there just the one major change that we've got since the FAQ? Yep. Yeah. So mainly the, the major change, obviously, is people may know that the Games Workshop said that all Bladeborn are legal. So uh, we did want to, we did update the packet to state that uh, so that you can take Bladeborn fighters. There's still a limit on one ally, whether it's a hero or not, in your warband besides your leader. But now you can use Bladeborn and Bladeborn models as part of that if you wanted to. We probably won't update the pack any further. If you do have a question, you can email us at the dogs, sorry, just dogs of warcry at gmail.com. And we've been just answering any questions you have there about the rules pack. Uh, we probably won't have any more announcements or changes between now and then. Knock on wood. Uh, we'll see if anything crazy comes out. Uh, otherwise, we'll mostly have all the narrative information once you get there. Uh, so we'll, we'll look forward to that. Um, and a reminder that there is our main event is from 11 a.m. till 7 p.m. Uh, after that, uh, in the kind of half hour later or so, we're going to be running a massive multiplayer uh, event that you don't need to sign up for. But if you want to come with, uh, bring bring uh, a thousand points, but we'll probably play a lower model count and we'll just get everybody on a table rolling dice and having some fun. So uh, that's all on Friday night. Awesome. So that's the Adepticon update. We, we might put out one more episode between now and then so that there's some listening on your for your travel. But uh, we'll see. Don't hold me to it. Don't hold us to it. Um, <laughs> all right. I think we can move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So into the Path of Glory, what warbands and quests have you played? And uh, some game recaps, everybody. The, I know the Warcry League has been going really well. Uh, we're going into week eight, it looks like. Yes. Yep. So... Yep. I'll, I'll jump on this one because my big, for this Cities of Sigmar army, I really wanted to finally uh, get that Cogribdis into my army and be able to play some games with it. So uh, after kind of working up, and I did it, I think, in a cool narrative way. I got, my, I got an ally as one of the first quests that I completed. Um, I got uh, an artifact for my leader, and then I went and finally got an encampment. Uh, so we started setting up shop, which is where they started building the Cogribdis. And uh, so then we, I finally got to play the Monster Hunt uh, quest uh, with its the, the battle plan that it has. Played against uh, Joe, who, um, just another side story, uh, Joe from our, our league, he and I have played like six games together, maybe seven games now at this point. And uh, we just keep, we'll be the first ones at the store or... Uh, we, you know, whatever. So he, he played this game, uh, for me. He, he piloted the monster and I was able to, so the story was that we're building this monster. The Cogfort had the designs. Uh, he put it, started it off. He has his 
other people work on it, uh, and it went a little hay- haywire. You know, left was right, uh, right was up, uh, and uh, you know the its inky mist was firing when it shouldn't have, and it went on a rampage. Um, and so the keeper of the gate, my my leader, had to come in with his force and stop it, get it back under control, fix whatever went wrong, so that it could take it back out into the forest and try and go after Kilgore, the mighty Lord of Corn that's been terrorizing uh, our neck of the woods. And uh, it wasn't too difficult to, to get the Cogribdis back under control, uh, which, but it was fun because I got my part of my cog fort all built up so that I could play with that cog fort terrain uh, so that I could set it in that setting. It was very immersive for me. And then uh, we went after Kilgore and the Kil- Kil- Kilgore, he, they killed all my stuff. So uh, the monster did not help me enough against uh, Kilgore. So we'll have to see if by the end of this, uh, we're, we're playing a multiplayer game for, to cap off our our campaign event at uh, at the league. Maybe we'll get to take some more swipes at Kilgore and, and get a last uh, kill on that guy. So other than that, it's just been playing kind of yeah fun games here and there and uh, prepping for for Adepticon, thinking through the gameplay for that. But yeah, that's me. Josh, how about you? Yeah, so we've had lots of fun games in the league. Uh, my last one was, was probably the most memorable at the moment. Just, you know, had some a lot of ties recently, actually, which has been interesting. But uh, this last mission with the campaign arc that we've been doing, we uh, we tried out the gore worm twist that's in the new Bloodhunt box. And uh, essentially, there's like three points on the board where the gore worm will pop up. And every time somebody attacks it, you know, you're trying to score the most damage against the Gore Worm over the course of the game. And each time somebody attacks it, it randomizes to one of the other locations. And when it comes up, it causes D6 damage to any models within three inches. And it was absolutely hilarious because it totally reminds me of one of those games growing up in the arcades where you're like smacking the little <laughs> mole or whatever Smack that's coming out of them. Yeah, smack a mole. And uh, it, was, it was absolutely hilarious. We had a great time and... and just came down to the very last minute. Ian and I were playing and came out with a perfect tie. Just it was right on the dot. It was absolutely hilarious. But we had a great game. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. I uh, I kind of went over the the things I was working on and, and played through recently uh, in the last group. But uh, I did get a really fun game in with Zach this week, uh, where we we played and the it was it was a deadly deadly map where we had the the terrain was eating us. And then we had acid sludge. So every end we played when we built the terrain, there's a bunch of just one floor terrain. So we were both just like everything died. Like there was very <laughs> few things left alive at the end of the fourth. And it was just so much wanton destruction. Um, and I managed to squeak out a win against the old boy, which is, is pretty, pretty lucky on my end. So it was a lot of fun, uh, but it was definitely a wild game. And when we finished, I was like, Zach, this is what Warcry is all about. It's, it's, it's not the game if you, you know, in some way, like it's just the chaos, right? The actual chaos <laughs> of playing Warcry, right? Like you're drawing a random twist. I, I think if you threw that at, at players of some of the big hammer games, you'd be like, wait, everything takes damage. Oh yeah. The sludge, <laughs> yeah. the sludge. Yeah. It's sludgy all over the battlefield. It's just so fun. It's just so fun. It adds so much weirdness and randomness to the battles. Um, it, it's, it's great. embrace the chaos. 
Yeah, yeah, right. Embrace the chaos. Gnarlwood is dangerous for many reasons. <laughs> the eight points, the gnarlwoods, the catacombs, man. You, t- you you step into a war cry arena, you are rolling some random dice. You are ready for anything. <laughs> or, so, not. <laughs> or not. Or not. Or you're all very dead. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Sounds like fun. <laughs> Sweet. All right, well, now with that, Divisions of Madness. And we have some good topics this time. Now, last time, we didn't really have a whole lot for this section. Since our last podcast, uh, we did see a new Slaves to Darkness announcement where they're actually releasing all three Warcry Chaos allies, the, the Fomoroid, the Mindstealer Spheranx, and the Ogroid Minmordon in a box called Hargax's Pit Beasts, all together. So uh, it's 110 bucks U.S. dollars. Uh, and somebody has stated that's roughly a 19% savings from buying all the boxes individually, mm-hmm. which it can be challenging to find individual boxes these days. So if you don't have those allies, I have one of them, but I may pick it up because I don't have the other two yet. Yeah, it might be a really good bargain for Warcry. Very cool. Yeah, I know a lot of people were looking for them, and they were they were hard to find uh, right before this announcement. So I think some people are pretty pumped that they are available again like this. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I was really excited. the The opportunity for everybody else to grab these awesome models is pretty cool. Uh, I have I have three of the Fomeroids and three of the Spherinxes, and that's that's very fortunate for me. But the uh, I'm excited to see more Myrmidons on the table. I only have two of those, so who knows? Maybe I'll I'll buy a box <laughs> and we can all split it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know we haven't had a painted ally yet for the oh. season. That's what we gotta do next. Yep. <laughs> That's fair. I like my kitties. They're t- they're painted up pretty nice. nice. I don't know. Maybe I'd have to find something else. The kitties are good. Nice. I like my kitties. Nice. My precious. My precious kitties. And uh, in addition to that, we had two white dwarfs come out with Warcry content, uh, which is White Dwarf four eighty four, which was the January uh, twenty twenty three. Uh, had some. Warcry Ideneth Deepkin um, rules. It was really cool. They, um, you know, besides having an Artifacts of the Deep and an Ideneth, Ideneth rating post, you know, the kind of the standard faction-specific artifacts and special faction-specific encampment, uh, they didn't have a heroic traits uh, for this particular faction. But they added some really interesting narrative flavor in terms of these title raid rules. So um, in, in AOS, uh, the, the Ideneth have a these, this title rules where the Aether Sea is with them as they're attacking the board, and it has different effects over each each round. They usually kind of start out as buffs, and they change how things go along. And I don't know how much that has changed in the last year or so. But the, the Warcry table does something very similar, where the, the first couple turns, you're kind of getting buffed, and then um, as you get to turn three and four, you still have a buff, but now there's kind of a a more balancing factor. There's a negative side to it as well. So it adds a lot of really interesting flavor, I think, to playing that faction. I have some, some seen a couple of people that play Ideneth in AOS saying, hey, this doesn't make sense, or I don't really like how these work, but not knowing as much as, you know, as, as they do, perhaps, as how they work in AOS. I thought it was a really interesting narrative flavor to add for a war cry, um, well, war band. So. Yeah, I could see, I could see, you know, the situation's a little different when you have an army of Ideneth versus when you have a small warband. 
whether or not the tides work exactly the same for large scale or small scale. But if you're an INF player and you're used to things working one way uh, and you want to come to Warcry and expect, you, you know, kind of expect a similar feel, I could see where that is uh, uh, disappointing or jarring, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just not what you had expected. Yep. 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 But yeah, but they have uh, the the artifacts have a lot of interesting flavor, and of course, it does include some background tables, so some interesting names and, and background, of course, for the warband and the leader itself, which are always always fun additions to have. Um, and I know the the next one for February, White Dwarf four eighty five, is the Gloom Spike Gets, and lots of people were super excited about this because they're the new battle tome for Gloom Spike Gets is also coming out. And uh, they added, again, a lot of really interesting flavor. They added some faces of the bad moon rules. Uh, again, both of these optional rules are, you know, you don't have to use them. And very similarly, you know, there's some different things that happen. You Typically, for this particular faction, you roll once and it's that effect for the whole game. Uh, if there happen to be multiple Gloom Spike Gets play, players using these rules then there are multiple faces. And so you have one turn where it's one face and then another turn is another face or, or however hmm. many rounds it might be. But again, kind of an interesting uh, shift of uh, buffs and or, or uh, you know, negative balancing factors. Um, but again, I love the narrative flavor that they've been adding to some of these. And again, well, they added some artifact tables called the Tripsy Shinies, you know, quests rather. Um, and then there are encampments called the Loon Shrine Shanty. And, and some background tables. And stuff I like imagine that. this is sort of a playground um, for them to test out, you know, new uh, mechanics and ideas that maybe didn't make it into the full game, but they wanted to kind of get the rules out or something like the rules, um, right. you know, and, and see what people think. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. I hope that they come out with a you know a tomb of champions that have you know some of these things kind of all packaged into one book. But mm -hmm. uh, I think for people who want some value out of those white dwarves, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and uh, I was just going to mention uh, again, both both white dwarves have some really flavorful um, artifacts, and you know, in terms of coming from the encampment as well as just from the quest itself. But one of the the tricksy shinies for the gloom spike gets, I thought was absolutely uh, insane. I'll have to read it here for you guys. It's called Crown of the Bad Moon. In battle rounds one and two, the bearer can use abilities that require a double without using or needing ability dice. In battle round three, they can use abilities that require a triple without using or needing ability dice. And in round four or more, they can use abilities that require a quad without using or needing ability dice. Yeah, it has no effect while the bearer has ten or more damage points allocated to them. So that's the fact that you gotta you gotta keep yourself healed or or not too much damage to make it work. But yeah, wow! You know, I mean, using some of those abilities with no. Yeah, I mean, no. in theory, you could heal everybody up and have multiple rampages going on, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is uh, feel free to to uh, uh, dish this for a future episode. Are these allowed at Adepticon for our event? Yeah. They certainly are. Anything in the white dwarfs, we said, would be allowed. Yep. So if you've got an idea for using uh, some of this Ideneth or the the gits in a list, then. Pick up these white dwarfs. Definitely, definitely. The uh, this February white dwarf also added the Knights of Stinkhorn, the Bladeborn rules for the Grin Crack the Great and his Loon Court. Mm. So uh, they kind of reiterated the the Bladeborn rules, um, included a card and ability profiles, and it included a hard 
cardboard um, card of the abilities for this particular faction. Okay. Uh, which is nice. But yeah, so it was really nice to finally get some rules for that. I know there are some war bands from Nether Maze that we still don't have Warcry rules for in White Dwarf or any other location. So it's nice to see they're yeah. kind of rolling some of those out. We get those Hexbane Hunters in here. I know, right? That's what I was thinking. Maybe next month. We'll see. We'll see. Ooh. But yeah, that's uh so yeah, lots of really interesting stuff in these next uh these couple white dwarfs and like you said, Eric, in terms of maybe they're testing out that faction mechanic. Yeah. Really think that's an interesting approach. Hopefully again we'll see some more of that coming in the future. All right. So for a circle of paint, we're just gonna talk about a status update on where our monsters are. And I think Fint and I have already said that we're done. So Eric, have you made any I have progress? made zero progress. In that it's in the exact same place. It's built, it's based, it's uh, on the table playing, uh, but that final, I, I've got everything patinaed. It's that final bit of where do I put my, my blue gradients and my yellows and, and, and to kind of finish it off. And I haven't sat down to think about it. And I mean, this is episode five, so I've got three more uh, episodes, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, but mm -hmm. I. Uh, I'd like to get her done. Um, it'd be fun to bring the model to Adepticon and have people be able to see it, that they, we've been talking about it, and I'm pretty proud of the model and the conversion and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see if I can I can push that ahead because, you know, the sooner we get them done, you know, we could go to a vote uh, even sooner even than earlier. normal, and maybe we right. wouldn't have to have a 0.5 episode at the end. Right, exactly. It would be uh, the first. Yeah, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> But yeah, so you, I'm, I'm looking forward to joining <laughs> you guys in your having painted monsters. <laughs> It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, your conversion on it is is gorgeous yeah. and it is really engaging. So like 10 out of 10, I'm I'm excited for yours. Probably even more so than I am than I get mine done. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, enjoy, I can't I haven't seen I haven't seen uh yours fully painted, I don't think, Vint. Um, but I but obviously, oh, yeah. I got to see uh, Josh's fully painted at the event a couple weeks ago. So mm -hmm. um, I posted on mine on Twitter, and now I have, after so many episodes, I have Warhammer followers. Ooh, yeah. nice. So whoever's listening to this podcast that found me on Twitter, you're nice awesome. Job, <laughs> I appreciate it. I tip my hat. <laughs> to you, good sirs and or ma'ams. Right. right. <laughs> All right. Um, then, uh, you know, Without much uh, to do there, let's move on to this episode's victory condition. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about our impressions of the new Bloodhunt box, which includes the terrain, the two new warbands, the claws of Karanak, and the Escargan Trueblades. Like I said before, thank you Games Workshop for sending us a review copy so we could uh, get some uh, games in to review this stuff, uh, assemble some models, and kind of have a more informed uh, kind of review of them. So let's start with first impressions. We talked a little bit about this our last episode when we just had kind of the Warhammer community articles and photos and that sort of stuff. But now that we've got some of this stuff in our hands, what did you guys think of, I know, Vint, I don't think you've gotten them in your hands yet. I apologize. But Josh, what are you thinking about? You've got the terrain in hand. You've got a set of, of the models and uh, such that you've purchased. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a, it's a really nice set. Uh, with each edition, we've seen this progression of more fortified type uh, trees, which has been fun. Uh, you know, we had trees with platforms, and then we had trees with platforms, walls, and canopies, and now we've got trees with some 
uh, fortifications and walls, like very large bamboo walls. And so it's kind of fun to see that evolution over time. Is it, uh, you know, in terms of people, the, the Narlwood trying to find ways to keep themselves safe, <laughs> especially uh, this particular location is in the Ravage, which is, a, you know, kind of a peripheral region of the Narlwood, but, uh, but extremely dangerous. So it's kind of fun to see the new lore about this particular area and the changes to the map and but the terrain is, is fun. I think having walls and fortifications would be a, a really interesting change to, to how we play certain games. And yeah. I think both warbands look really cool, really nice themes, and the lore behind them is really fun. Yeah. I I was a little worried. Uh, so um, the box landed. Uh, well, how do I put this? Uh, we we had a preview of it. When I, when I first saw the terrain, my first concern was because – we're kind of hoping that it would be uh, some some uh, uh, Chotek, like temple. yeah, some right. temple ruins, some Chotek ruins. Get into the Seraphon uh, terrain, etc. Because we got in two boxes of trees, and so when I saw that it was trees again, my heart sunk a little bit because I was like, "Oh no, are people uh, is the community not going to be on board with this as much?" Uh, and so I was sitting with that for for a little bit. When people finally did get a look at it. I did think that people overall were super positive with the terrain being so different. Like, even though, like you said, it's the same two of the base trees, the skull and the uh, spine are still there. And then they build on top of it. Like they did Mm -hmm. in both of the other two sets. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a little worried that it would feel too samey and it was too forced, but I think people also really appreciated like line of sight blocking stuff is not the norm in war cry. So having a couple of like four line of sight blocking pieces, is really cool and I think adds a lot of different dimension to it. And mm-hmm. yeah, that aesthetic of I could build a forest fort with a couple of boxes of these, right? Right, um, an actual encampment. But, an actual, yeah. like, yeah, fortified encampment, which is, I mean, like, that's why I went with, you know, this uh, this stronghold, right, to build an mm-hmm. actual encampment for my warband. But now you can do that with the trees and stuff, and it, it feels very gur and feels very uh, gnarled. So um, I think that's great. How about the the two warbands? Um, I think last last episode we kind of put ourselves on either side, either camp. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jacob, Jacob, or what are yeah, they? Jacob, or um, I'm not as vampire guy's name. Yeah, I'm not as quick with the with the Twilight <laughs> reference. Um, but uh, yeah, and so now that we've got them in place, taking a look at the Escurgans, uh for myself. They are well posed, very like uh, controlled in control themselves, but have these amazing textures that uh, I haven't seen. Like these big thick ropes are pretty amazing that they tie around their waists. Um, this kind of aesthetic of the the beast within, uh, and that they've uh, taken aesthetic vows to kind of hold that hold that beast in, and they pride themselves on that and. Um, there's a ton of lore in this uh, Predator and Prey book about how they put themselves in a position to just go crazy, like sit in pools of blood, but keep themselves from going feral and going uh, uh, out of their mind. So um, it's it's a really cool aesthetic. It's it's a different take on the vampires. Um, it adds to the kind of I don't know depth of of the soul blight. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, uh, another soul blight uh, warband or 
group the same way we've got the other ones that are sort of uh, peeking out um, below Neferata and Manfred. So I think it's, I mean, they just, I think it adds a lot of depth and I'm wondering how cool would it be to get even more uh, stuff in this line down the road or, um, you know, and it's cool to have vampires on foot, which is, uh, I hope we'll see some, have we seen Age of Sigmar rules for these guys yet? Um, I don't think we have actually for either warband. Okay. Now that you mentioned it. Um, I'm going to check right now because they normally have some, but while we do that, I, I, they're going to be awesome, right? I played, uh, even this weekend I had Jade Obelisk and what a joy they were to play and Zeechless because they're, uh, they're battle line for Zeech, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, They've got the gore chosen. Yeah, they aren't in yet. But my guess is I, I don't think we're going to have to wait more than a week or two before they get all their stuff yeah. in, uh, into the big hammer uh, group. Yeah, because I think people have been waiting for vampire foot uh, foot sloggers. And, you know, you've got a couple of different types here to, to work with. And so uh, it's, yeah, it's cool to kind of be able to open up that possibility. Yeah, and have a unit of them, you know, so which is yeah, a little different. You could yeah. do a unit of, of the aesthetics, or you could do um, a unit of the. Oh, I've got a, I've got the names right here. I didn't have. I had them off the top of my head. I swear, I knew what they were. Uh, no, usually it's a warband. Yeah, they have the rules. You have to have all the models yeah. in the warband. But yeah. Oh, you have to have like one of each. Yeah, you have the leader, and you have. Uh, well, I mean, it's not necessarily one of each. Like whether you can have two of the mace or mace in a spear. I don't know how that works. I think it's just aesthetics. You have to have two aesthetics. You got to have three of the, uh, so the Askergan true blades are in, uh, they're two wounds, four up, save six inch move. They actually, they look like they hit plenty hard. Um, their werewolf looks awesome. Is there a certain rules on how, how many of each that you have to take? Yeah. Um, so with these, uh, you have a unit of eight. One model can be the Askergan Exemplar. This model has a wounds characteristic of four and is armed with a pair with paired Askergan mm-hmm. blades instead of Askergan weapons. And then one in every eight models can be a Curse Blood. It has a wounds characteristic of four and is armed with an elongated claws and slavering maw. Gotcha. gotcha. So um, you have a max, not not a minimum. Okay, so that's cool. And skip to yeah. the uh, acolytes or the ascetics. Is there a mm-hmm. number, a limit that you can have on them? Nope. So you could go the Askergan exemplar and seven mm-hmm. right, right of the of the vampire, either the the ascetics, which ascetics are the two hand yeah. weapon and hit really hard, or the acolytes, which have either a sword or uh, their rope, throat slitters, throat takers. So when it comes to a lot of the the coolness and the the specific, and I, I know this might be a little off topic, but when you go from Warcry and put them into the big hammer, a lot of those cool weapon options shift mm-hmm. into their Askergan weapons. Okay, I get generous. Um, and this this follows that too. Yeah, so they, you know, the the leader here has the Askergan double blades, and he gets uh, double the attacks characteristics of all the other Askergan yeah. weapons. Um, and then the elongated claws and slavering maw, blood. <laughs> which is just fun to say because right, it kind of right. rhymes. Um, that has five attacks. Strength, uh, you're looking to hit on fours, wound on threes, minus two, one. Two-inch reach, which is pretty cool, which means that when he goes into combat, he's jumping around in the combat, killing other fools, which is pretty cool, where he's dancing around. They have 
a whole bunch of really neat rules that follow two in Big Hammer. But we, you know, if you want to check those out, check out the Warhammer Age of Sigmar app, uh, free to download um, and free to find these things. My guess is that somewhere in here we already have the have the corn ones, and I was just not looking under the right I think name. Specifically for the vampires, I think just having foot soldier vampires has been uh, something that people have been looking forward to with Soulblade right. for a long time, and uh, we've got a unique flavor of them, and they'll they, hopefully they'll fit in. So unique flavor for the the claws of Karnak too, the the demon worship that they've taken. You know, in terms of Karnak is a three headed uh, flesh hound of, of corn, and so they kind of worship him as a the ultimate hunter, which is definitely a different take on, on how I'd expect them to do it. It's been fun. Yeah. That one, we mentioned that uh, last week of just like taking that lesser aspect of corn or of any demon and like giving it more emphasis. Uh, like, of course there would be some corn followers that would look at Karanak and be like, they, that Karanak is the ultimate expression of corn. We're going to do it that way. Um, and, and it, this is a really cool imagining of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I did find them. Sorry, I was just—I must have missed them in the first pass through. Uh, they're also up. They're the cool thing with them for big hammers that they're going to be battle line. So you could make an entire army of these. You could put as many claws of Karanak into your army as you'd like. And then here, what's the limit on the four? Like the guy who's on all fours, right? It's the Hound of Wrath. <laughs> Two in every eight models can be a brutalizer. Uh, one in every eight can be a Hound of Wrath, and one in every eight can be a Pack Lord. So similar to the Warband. Um, be- yeah. The box. Yep. yeah. Normally they keep it yeah. pretty close. The big thing is, is because it's Battle Line, you can turn this into a 24-pack. You could buy three Warcry Warbands mm. of this and make one giant Warcry posse of three <laughs> Pack Lords and three three Hounds yeah. and... Eight, six Brutalizers. Four yeah. Brutalizers. Yeah, six Brutalizers. Yeah, you got you got all sorts of options. And they they actually like the rules in Big Hammer. They if they have a Flesh Hounds unit, they fight a little mm-hmm. bit better, right? Um, which that is, is cool. cool. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, right. That's so, um, uh, let's talk a little bit through uh, just real quick the lore of the Narwood. We've got a little bit of uh, the fact that the all of the fighting that we've been doing in the Narwood has awakened the Narwood even further. Uh, that the um, that all the fighting, all the blood loss, all the sacrificing, all the killing, all the murder, all that kind of stuff has sort of brought the gnarl wood alive. Any stories in here uh, that you want to highlight or um, kind of focus on in terms of kind of how the gnarl wood is reacting to uh, to all of this? Well, before we jump too deeply into that, into, into the like the blood mad ravage. Uh, I did want to talk about the map because the map's been updating every time that we've had a new expansion, which has been yeah. kind of fun because it gives us little sneak peeks and, and whatnot. I, I realized, you know, I went back and kind of checked things out and the Sundered Fate added the Pillars of Jade, which is where the Jade Obelisk come in and, and Matsopadal's Gaze, where the, the Skink Warband uh, was. But it also had added the Askergan Bone Monasteries and Sundered Scales, which is the area in which the Jade Obelisk were fighting. But, uh, but so... The, the Blood Mad Ravage and the corn symbol has been there since the beginning, but the, but at that point they added the Oscargon Bone Monastery. So right. then we had like a sneak preview, okay, you know, what's coming next? Right. So based on that, I looked at the map very closely this time, and we have two new locations, Drake's Rest and Grozak's Gouge. They've been added into the map. 
And most people have been speculating that it's going to be Slanish and a destruction army, just based on the pattern that we've had. So it's really looking like Drake's Rest is probably Slanish of some sort. And then Grozak's Gouge uh, is kind of the, uh, the Cruel Boys shield-looking symbol. So it's definitely going to be a Cruel Boys warband. Okay. The so Drake's Rest symbol is a, is a Stormcast symbol. It looks um, like very similar to one, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like the um, Thunderstrike symbol, I think. So, so I thought that was quite interesting. So you know, yeah, um, yeah. It'd be interesting. I don't think they're going to break the mold and not have a, a chaos in there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I was doing the same and kind of seeing what stuff I was surprised to look back and say, "Oh, the Skurgans were there all along, and we didn't, right. we didn't pay attention." Right. Um, so, but also, yeah, like you said, Blood Mage, the Blood Mage Ravage was already there and so the Grozik's gouge could be it drake's arrest could be it but maybe it was something that's already is there already a slaneshi um the tainted wound uh might be something or yeah that's beastman i think uh oh is it yeah. okay. mm-hmm. is there a slanesh um no there hasn't been you know, no okay. so this is why we're definitely interested to see what that is yep all right all right all right. we, did get, we did get some additional lore on a few locations that were already on the map, which is nice. Right. Tell me about those. So uh, Slayer's Cliff, for example, is a, is a location, and they actually had a piece of artwork in the book, which is really neat, where apparently the Astro Templars, the, the Stormcast faction specific for Gur, um, had, has built a fortress there and several different outposts all along these cliffs to, um, to keep the Narrowood in check, essentially. Apparently, the Astral Templars have been spread too much throughout the realms, and there's there's fewer defenders at each of the outposts, and it kind of hints towards being attacked by a variety of these different factions in the, in the Gnarlwood, and that there's a risk that the Gnarlwood could escape um, and spread further into Gur if the if it's not kept in check. Yeah. Oh, uh, so the idea that the forest could go further and take over more of Gur, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. There was another uh, so another couple interesting things in terms of the, the Count Moltaire's blood hunt has been been in the map the whole time. Kind of went into a little bit more detail about them being aristocratic aristocratic hunters of sorts. So and, and they they I think it's a little tidbit where they they get along with the Askerin True Blades, but you know don't necessarily appreciate their aesthetic or their uh, self control perhaps. But since they're brothers of a sort that, that that they will collaborate if needed all right and, uh, and one of the other really cool things i thought was a, a small reference to the underworld's location which is in the roots underneath the gnarlwood so they right. did have a little subsection that talked about that and how the gnarlwood has grown over ancient civilizations and covered them and buried them within its, its roots so but that yep. was definitely an interesting visual image to kind of come to mind in terms of ooh, we could do some campaigning and the subsections of the narrow road you know, underneath and above and also that would have been acceptable uh you know to do a um catacombs style release yes. and yes. tie it more directly in with the with the um, underworld stuff that would have been really mm-hmm. cool um but alas we'll have to settle with the cool terrain and models that we got <laughs> very cool um, all right, then let's get into uh, the Claws of Karanak. Let's see here. All right, for the Claws of Karanak, we've got some kind of new lore. Obviously, we've kind of covered this a little bit, that they are followers of the the great uh, Fleshhound Karanak, the three-headed uh, Fleshhound. 
and these guys uh, are hunters here in uh, in this place. Uh, they we've got four uh, model types or fighter types. Uh, we've got pack lords, we've got hounds of wrath, we got brutalizers, and we got blood whelps. Uh, what's one of these that you want to highlight? What do you want to kind of pick out? Where do you want to start? Do you have a favorite? I think. Well, I really liked. Well, I think a lot of people like the Hound of Wrath. Just the concept of this person changing into a beast, and um, you know, kind of the lore is that these you know pe- these individuals of all sorts. They even mentioned that certain Stormcasts have heard the howl of Karnak and have become one of these claws of Karnak. You know, so nobody nobody's immune, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. But yeah, they just kind of believe that they're hunters and they're chasing down those that they think are cowardly. And the the, the Hound of Wrath is, is taking it even further and has eaten part of a, hound, a flesh hound and has survived semi transformation, where their their claws have extended and they're like partially real and partially made. But uh, but yeah, they're faster and, and uh, they become a little bit more demonic than than some of the normal ones. But it's definitely an interesting transition. So the question that I had last uh, episode was: Are all um, uh, flesh hounds? Did they all start off as humans and transform? The answer is no. The hounds of wrath have just gone a little bit crazy and eaten some demon flesh and uh, taken on some of their attributes. That's it. Oh, right, That's all. Right. No <laughs> baby. Demons, to. yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> there's no warning label on that. <laughs> the uh, the FDA has not made a ruling, right? That's fine. Um, Use your best judgment. <laughs> yeah, um, I really like. I have a I have a soft spot for the little guys, the blood whelps. Mm-hmm. To me, it's again, this is kind of a dog themed, and we like that around here. Yeah, uh, yeah. But a dog themed, and so the whelps are sort of like the runts, the um, this, you know, just the uh, the masses of smaller corn uh, Karanak followers that are still like devoted to this, but instead of being individually big, they are they are stronger as a group, um, and so these guys have some cool rules that help them kind of uh, boost each other up, boost other the you know this this dog up, the the Hound of Wrath boots them up, so they play this integral part. Uh, but they have more of a, a pack tactic kind of uh, feel to them, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they played with that well, I think. Um, uh, Vint, I know you don't have the models in hand, but is there any of these that stood out to you Those, as far as like a favorite or a, something you're interested in? Man, I really, when it comes to anything corn, I'm a big fan. I really like the Pack Lord model because he's just got so much like totem mm-hmm. stuff going yeah. on with him. That mask. Yeah, the mask, everything to it just looks really, really cool. It, it's it's a little strange for me. As much as I liked the the how like the Karanak uh, stuff and the Karanak lore, that sounds like it came with this um, because he's he's a very important character. But as somebody that's pretty new, right? Karanak doesn't have lore going back super far in either edition um, of Warhammer, so it's just kind of cool to see him fleshed no out. Intended. I'm very oh, excited oh, oh, to kind oh. of uh, yeah. second episode in a row. Well done. <laughs> nice. He's on fire. So yeah, no, it's it's I liked the Pack Lord. He he seems cool, he seems good. Um and I'm excited to put some of these into my giant beasts of or uh, uh Mortals of Corn Army that's shelved until <laughs> November of this year when I can play Nazi each again. <laughs> All right. 
but in this, I really liked uh, of the two war bands. I like I like the corn ones a lot. Uh, they're they are really they grab that uh, what I think mortals of corn in Gur mm-hmm. would look like. And if you're going to be a mortal of corn in Gur, which isn't the most like populated place, they don't have a ton of big strongholds uh, until we start seeing something you know similar to that in this book in Gur. Like they don't do well in Gur because they're here to to fight and kill things. Well, you have roving war war bands of orcs, savage orcs that are here to kill anything big, right? You have uh, roving war bands of beastmen who hunt down anything. You've got the land that tries to kill everything. Sure, it's a good time, but it's a good time you can't enjoy for a long time if you're a follower of porn. So I, I think it's neat that we got to go there, right? Like you, uh, we have you know a lot of new Gurish warband teams that. Um, between Underworlds and now with the Claws of Karanak that mm-hmm. that are Gurish and Corn, and yeah. that's that's really I, cool. Takes. I'll I'll say is I feel like they're trying to play too much, uh, for my taste in the Untamed Beast space. Um, <laughs> except for they have their you know they uh, rely on more metal tools etc. Which is uh, which is fine if they want to mm. be weak and. Uh, uh, <laughs> But uh, so in that case, like I feel like I have this warband in a different, just slightly different flavor uh, with the Untamed Beasts. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think it is it is a definitely a, a, a unique and like it is the take that you would. Um, it makes sense for them being corn in the realm of beasts in the Gnarlwood, and that this is the form they take, and it's pretty cool. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah, and how they transformed the, the blood mad ravage into this large, bloody wasteland where the trees have become uh, hungrier and move around in the daytime and all sorts of fun stuff changes based on the blood. Yeah. Now, is there anything in the lore that makes them more than a single, like, one note that we're used to from corn? Is there anything that would give them any more nuance than we usually see? Uh, well, they do caveat. Uh, well, they talk about when they talk about the how blood, blood mad ravage was created corn had sent a bunch of things you know a bunch of war bands here um you know his his forces and um it talks about the the claws of karnak being the forerunners you know the the scouts you know to go flush out the cowards and prepare the way essentially and so there are multiple multiple groups of these uh war bands roaming this area and the, and the claws of karnak specifically have have gone deeper in. They, they've went okay. deeper into the narrow wood and are, are flushing out, you know, cowards and other things they can see further in. So they smell fear. Yeah. Uh, maybe, or it's just the urine in other people's pants. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and they are, they're coming out ahead uh, to, to hunt and clear. And I mean, so they are, they are the hunting dogs. They are, yep. Yep. Uh, you know, flushing, flushing out the prey. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> flush, not flesh. I know uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I had to steer away. Um, so I mean, but but also, but still very straightforward. And hey, we're here to 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 hunt and kill and uh, slaughter and be the try and do that better than everything else in the Gnarlwood that hunts and kills and slaughters. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. They they don't care where the blood flows. Trees. Yeah. <laughs> animals or bands. Yep. I would. I think in the Gnarlwood, like you said, like uh, I think you were saying, is like it's a little hard for them to stand out in the Gnarlwood where everything is doing the hunting and killing and uh, praying, you know that sort of thing. 
unlike you know like the jade obelisk like they are they have a unique take in in this space whereas these guys are definitely and i think too between the i'll just say this between the Ascurgan, which are holding back their bestial nature these guys mm-hmm. are leaning into their bestial nature which is very corn yeah. um but uh but in a in a space in a place where everything is killing everything uh these these guys are diamond dozen i don't mean to throw shade i mean i'm just <laughs> You're protecting your bros. Yeah, untamed beasts are better. Um, <laughs> anything else you want? Go ahead. I feel like when when I get mine built, we're gonna yeah, have yeah, to yeah. find out for sure. I wonder. Yeah. I, I mean, the untamed beasts don't have new toys like the like these guys do with new, uh, more updated rules. Oh, uh, are you smelling cowardice? All right, sucker, we'll go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. Maybe I'll, maybe I will have to bring Untamed out for the next uh, uh, league just for them to defend their honor uh, that, <laughs> that I somehow have sullied. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, very cool. Anything else that you want to anybody wants to highlight about these guys? I mean, their rules have all been on uh, um, on uh, the or most of the rules have been on Warhammer Community, etc. Uh, they have some really cool, like, synergistic abilities. Yep. The next we get to uh, the Ascurgans. Uh The Ascurgans have uh, a new kind of take on, like we've kind of mentioned. Overall, in Age of Sigmar, they've, the Soul Blight have sort of uh, consumed both, like, all of the outside, like, all the core death tropes, vampires, werewolves, uh, zombies, uh, skeletons, uh, bats, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got a new, the Cursed Blood uh, is one of the, the new models, which is a transformed uh, beast form of the, the Ascurgans, which has a very, I think uh, all of these in general have a very Japanese uh, samurai yes. flavor to them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we've, we've mentioned this a little bit, the Ascurgans are ascetic. They are, uh, they, they deny themselves and uh, of their kind of bestial nature in order to reach a higher level of control and mastery and fighting skill, etc. And we've got, let's see. Yeah, you know, they feed off beasts instead of people. Correct, right? So the, the lower form, it's it's not uh, it's not cool to kill things that are lower on the on the food chain than you. <laughs> the challenge scale, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so fight something that's, you know, get your blood pumping and you know, I think similar to like that, that eating of the beast, uh, give something to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got the exemplar, which is the highest state of, of the Ascurgans. You've reached a certain level of, uh, you know, warriorhood and, uh, you know, denial of your, uh, beast sense. You've got, I'm going to, the cursed blood is sort of next where most vivid looking model where it is a beast shaped like it has taken the beast form, its clothes are ripped, it's, you know, lashing out with its claws. Uh, we've got the Ascurgan Pariah, which looks kind of monkish with a hood up and furs over its shoulders and a, and a bat familiar. Um, but it has previously transformed and been able to pull itself back into uh, its humanoid form. Right. And then you've got the ascetics, which are the 
most advanced, next most advanced of the vampires on foot with their uh, kind of rib cage shoulder shoulder armor and ponytails uh, and have reached a high level. And then you've got the acolytes, those who want to take on this, the Skurgan path uh, and their options to have either a, a bone-hilt felchian or a throat taker, which is a kind of those rope weapons that you see in kung fu movies where they can flip them around and uh, lash them out at you, etc. Um, uh-huh. um, other things of, uh, of note, uh, the Askurgans were sort of a lost uh, bloodline uh-huh. for the longest time. And so this is that's why they haven't been around. That's why you didn't see them in the Soul Blight book. Uh, so they're com- they're making a comeback. You know, uh, their lifestyle and their way of being is is coming back into vogue. Um, and it does seem to be something that, like, again, you can kind of choose to become this as opposed to necessarily just be born of it. Right. Yeah, they have visions. Like, yeah, in the, in the Age of the Beast, they, certain vampires will get visions, and they they see they have to go through all these trials and gur. And they find the, the monastery in the mountains. Yeah. Won't you take me to Funky Town? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there's a lot of, these guys are definitely a much more refined and poised uh, warband. Yeah. And one of the things that was interesting is uh, Will shared in our Discord, it was yesterday, but he pointed out that in one of the Stormcasts with Battle Tomes, it talks about. Um, Indrasta, when she was, she has a, it's like a segment where she's fighting in the Age of Chaos, still in her human form, and um, you know how she's fighting to allow enough humans to flee to the Gate of Azir, and alongside her are some Eskergon knights, which are are fighting alongside her. You know, so it's like, oh, they snuck a reference in there, you know, about yeah. this, this ancient monastic, you know, Soulblight faction that, that that was around during Age of Chaos, fighting against Chaos. Um, you know, even then, you know, so it was kind of awesome. fun to, great that he found that putting it yeah. out for us. And I, I like that it paints a picture of a, a type of vampire that could ally with um, a order or you know another faction, uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to you know always just being uh, you know like seeing people as cattle, um, right. you know, which is kind of just a cool cool twist. Yeah, yeah. Um, any models pop out specifically for you guys? What are your favorites? Event, what do you think? Um, for these ones, I think I kind of like the guys with the big pole arms. Like they yep. look super cool. The big weapons are always mm-hmm. neat. Yep, yeah. those are cool. And I like their armor. Um, yeah, got a new tank. Yeah. How about you, Josh? Anyone? Um, I really like the pariah. You know, just the whole concept of uh, how it turned into a cursed blood and was able to mentally force itself back into a human age shape. You know, and the model itself is still has some some bestial characteristics to it. And it explains in the book that, you know, the, the pariah, you know, is still loathed by everyone else because, you know, once it's fallen, it could fall again. They don't want to risk being around it. But because it did transform into a beast and then came back, it has this unusual connection with beasts, which is why it has a so familiar. And so I thought that was a really cool take on it. And that, the, you know, some it, it suggests that some of the people in the order think that the pariah is, is probably the higher form of evolution that they should all be moving, moving to mm-hmm. where they were transformed but have been able to pull themselves back. So yeah. kind of get that the different um, monastic traditions and views already kind of placed in the book was fun. Also, whenever you have like somebody who's like done the thing that everybody wishes they could do but are trying not to do, they're <laughs> like, I mean, we can just try it, right? Maybe I'll come back. 
<laughs> right. Let's right. do it like that guy did it. Uh, What's the worst that can happen? I mean, I'll, <laughs> I, I'm strong enough to come back, so then I have both powers, the power to be a beast and the power to not be a beast. That's got to be better. I I really like uh, the Cursed Blood. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, part of that is just, again, kind of coming off of the Cursed City uh, stuff and them having a vamp, kind of a, a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was always fascinated when AOS started of kind of where it seemed like they were going with the Vargolf as sort of that bestial, like they've, the vampire that gave in. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's already some of that there. There was a story in um, uh, Sands of Blood or something. It was a, um, a story with Stormcast and uh, Manfred where they came across uh, some uh, Vargolfs who had protected uh, a city during the uh, Age of Chaos. And um, the people came there to give offerings of their blood willingly. Um, and it would... Uh, they, these were all like very bestial, you know, like they could have went in and ripped everybody's throats out or whatever. And maybe they still will at some point, but how they, you know, had even had some humanity then. So like there was always this part of like vampires that went out of control and live as these beasts. And I I like seeing that they, I like that vampire and werewolf are two sides of the same coin in this, Mm -hmm. in this space. I, 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 some people who are maybe diehard, uh, werewolf fans or diehard, uh, uh, where you know, vampire fans or whatever may not like that pure form, but I think it's an interesting take for Age of Sigmar. Yeah, yeah, well, especially since they have like the Cornate Warriors, Skin Changers, which had a lot of like werewolf type abilities yeah. described in books, but you know, no models per se. So, but hey, yeah, so having this, like you said, a unique factor mm-hmm. of the soul block is definitely been really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, any else, anything else you guys want to say about these guys? Uh, yeah, so one of the th- interesting things they mention in the in the lore is that supposedly one of the um, masters of the order is wandering around the Narwood. So that's one of the reasons why they're kind of looking there. And, and, uh, and the book talks about a pale wanderer has been sighted in the Narwood and uh, actually came across an ogre warband yep. and killed its leader. And then the rest of them ran away, but he didn't, he didn't you know, <laughs> partake of their blood because they're beneath him. But, but, you know, just the fact that there's this master monk warrior somewhere wandering around the Narwood and, and you know the warbands are there looking for him and looking for the Astrogon artifacts or or, or ancient teachings and stuff like that. It's kind of a, a fun yeah. tidbit that they have. There's sort of a, a Lion King Rafiki moment <laughs> uh, where he's sitting on top of this uh, you know like slaughtered uh, cow because he he's keeping himself from eating it or this cow monster keeping himself from eating it but still meditating on top of it. And the ogres come in because they smelled it, and he's like, "Correction, you can leave now." You know, or, you know, right, uh, right. This is mine. Go away. This is mine. Go away. <laughs> You've misassessed the situation. Um, and he's very like pieced, eyes closed. And they describe, you know, they come closer. His eyes shoot open, and he, you know, makes a dash for the for them. You know, that sort of thing. So uh, it's pretty funny. Very cool. Very cool. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the terrain. Uh, we've got a new terrain type called Primal Fortifications. And these uh, are the, the, the large palisades. Uh, there's a fortified gnarl oak. There's the fortified platforms. And then there are, so there's two, two fortified gnarl oaks, two fortified platforms, and then the scattered terrain. Right. What specifically with the fortified gnarl oaks that have the bigger walls, um, those walls 
uh, kind of the tops of them, the bamboo kind of cut bamboo uh, sharp parts at the top are considered dangerous terrain. Uh, so not only is it a wall you have to get over, but uh, uh, sorry, not dangerous, deadly terrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to worry about a D6 damage roll when you go over it, not a fall. Only, only if there's an enemy model on the top. Okay, so they're, so, they're like uh, they're like defending it essentially. If they're defending it, then you got to risk them like slamming your head down on it or something. Right, exactly. exactly. Uh, so the trunk, and so that's that's kind of new. But then also, uh, there's a special rule if a model is on top of it, makeshift missile. A fighter other than a uh, that doesn't have a beast room mark on the wooden platform can use the ability to below, which is a makeshift missile. Uh, and they get to like take off, grab a piece of the the bamboo and chuck it, and on five ups they can uh, do D three damage to a fighter. But yeah, so kind of like you can use the Terry rain around you, similar to how the Fomoroid Crusher does and the your uh, Cygor does. You know, everybody gets terrain to chuck at people now. Yeah, uh, and so, I think that's just from the fortified platforms themselves, yep. not from the from the narrow ones. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. So from the smaller ones, they can do that. Yep. But the, the smaller one, the walls also have the that dangerous or sorry, deadly terrain feature yep. if an enemy model is on the platform. Got it. So then, so you've got uh, these four kind of bigger pieces, and then you've got your regular um, uh, scattered terrain that we've seen before. Um, what do you guys like, dislike about these new pieces of terrain? Anything st- uh, jump out for you? Uh, yeah, I really like the platforms. So I think it's fun to have these kind of wall features where you can defend them and, 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 and again, it makes it all feel more like an encampment that uh, you've got you know, established in the Gnarlwood. Absolutely. Absolutely. Vint, do you have any opinions or thoughts on uh, the terrain? I mean, I like, I like that it all fits together when you, when you use it, like if we're all going to sit down this, this, we can make fortresses out of it. We can build things for siege battles or some other stuff that way. It's really neat. Um, to build these big cohesive battlefields. Um, so if you're going to do like a multiplayer event with multiple tables, uh, it's kind of cool because you can keep the theme throughout all the tables and still have it all be different. And uh, I think uh, you see that you're, that uh, Games Workshop is doing this with other versions of its skirmish games with Kill Team being similar maps on similar maps, uh, a few iterations over into something with boarding actions where it's, it's, you know, translating this cool terrain now has a purpose when you play it in the Big Hammer as well as the awesome purpose it serves in Warcry. Uh, I got to play on a, a Warcry board or Warcry themed board with the new terrain for Big Hammer. And it just it was so cool to have armies running around in something I've, you know, my my Jade Obelisks have seen a few times. And it's it still nice. made it really, really That was cool. going to be my next question, whether or not you experience the gnarl oaks and stuff on the table for for age of sigmar yeah yeah it's been it's actually been a lot of fun uh it was cool to interact with because like i said my jade obelisks have spent some time there um already so for them they were old vets uh everybody else was like what is this strange place we've found yeah right and they're like don't sleep near that tree <laughs> uh, <laughs> Watch out for that tree. I'll, I'll just make a shout out. One of the twists uh, that came with this blood hunt uh, finally kind of has the trees lashing out at uh, at the people that are kind of both uh, kind of uh, reflecting back on the blood hunt storyline that more has been happening here, more death, more murder, more blood. And so the, the forest is reacting. So there's a 
the ability for the forest to fight back uh, in some in one of the twists um, uh, with the, this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty cool. How are you feeling yeah. about uh, getting yet another set of the same scatter? Anybody feeling good or bad? Um, you know, I, th- I think it's you know it, it would be nice to have more variety. I mean, I get why they don't, um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I do agree that it would be fun to get some different versions of scatter terrain to spruce it up. But you know, I, I think having some extra is fine, and I'm going to use some for conversions and you know to make the trees look a little different, or maybe get bash it with some of the buildings from the original sets to kind of have some overgrown ruins. So I think you know, in, in that sense, like I, I'll still use it, but. How about you, Vin? Have you put together uh, any of the scatter terrain yet? Uh, you know, again, not from this set, but I do have some of the scatter terrain from many of the sets previous. It's, it's, you know, it adds to the flavor. And again, it's one of those things that uh, I, I still like doing a lot of the catacombs maps. So like switching out bridges for rope bridges or, you know, adding elevation to a catacombs board really makes it come alive too, mm-hmm. because now you can throw somebody off of a thing into a thing, and it just <laughs> it makes it it makes it really fun to kind of mishmash some of those rules together. Um, and when it comes to scattered terrain, you know, like it it can make no difference, or it can make a world of difference. And if it's if it's kind of samey, that's fine. You know, I can find places to put it. Uh, heaven knows I have enough really, really big bases that I can put stuff on. Very cool. So yeah, I, I've, uh, I've only got one set of the scatter train and I'm looking forward to having like more, more bridges. I think that's obviously the highlight of the scatter train is having more bridges mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, right. I think, yeah, I mean, I think all the scatter is really well done. Like they are each great looking pieces. And if we're going to have, you know, that's where we are seeing the Seraphon, um, you know, ruins in there. And so I wonder if there's a, any way to, yeah, take a couple of pieces or a couple of these sprues with the scatter train that you've already done before and like, uh, really pimp them out, like make something really special with them. So that'll be anybody who's got multiple of these sets that tries to, you know, put them together in a new way, or like Josh says, try them as, as, um, basing material, um, would love, um, yeah, I mean, I could see putting some on my Cagribdis uh, base. You know, it's big enough and uh, whatnot. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. We got what we get. We don't throw fit. That's what we tell my kids. <laughs> right. So, right. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Um, what about anything you want to talk about in terms of, like, the quests and the backgrounds for the two uh, warbands? Um, I, you know, I think they're like, you know, we, again, you know, like standard, we've got the artifact quests, the, uh, heroic trait quests, and then the encampment quests. And I think they're all, again, have a lot of really nice flavor. They all have some uh, really interesting, uh, choices that you can take. So it's going to, yeah. it's going to be fun to kind of go There's through these, those. uh, these boots of an in- inevitable vengeance for the claws of Karanak where it's yeah. true to their movement, but if they don't move on their turn, does two damage to them. So, uh, you gotta be moving. You gotta be moving with these boots, man. Yeah. Uh, there's a few references in here of like alpha predator and that sort of stuff. And I kind of wish like mm-hmm. we need to take that out of our vocabulary around like, uh, how humans interact. We got to kind of take it out of our, uh, our fiction too. Cause I mean, it's kind of cute, but it's not really how things work. That's all I got to say about that. I mean, no, just like the, so the, the term alpha 
came from like a, a, bo- a bogus study about wolves in captivity. Oh, I see what you're saying. And, okay. and okay. so like they've since debunked that, like that's not actually, that's that, so behavior, how that alpha behavior ha- is a trauma from being in captivity and being uh, not a caretaker of your pack. Um, I see. So, I see. Uh, but it kind of stuck too hard. Right. Right. Um, Those things do. Yeah. So I was going to try and pick something quick out of the Escargans, but I can't. One of the things that I wish I could play more of and which I think don't get enough love in league play are the, the encampment quests. We just, nobody, they're not worth it. Uh, nobody wants to, to spend time on them do the work and then like fear of losing them. So yeah. Yeah. We definitely have to tweak, um, you know, the, the roles for losing them. And then, uh, we've got a campaign art called the war of blood and butchery, um, between these two, uh, forces. We've got ourselves a campaign where let's see, no turning back meticulous slaughter. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to kind of talk on this without playing through it, which we haven't played through yet. Was there anything, Josh, that you liked about it uh, or saw? I know that you've been looking at some more campaigns as we're prepping for Age of Sigmar, and you looked at the campaign that we're running through right now for the League. Uh, did mm-hmm. anything jump out at you? Yeah, so it's set up to, you know, again, each of the each of these expansions, even the, the main rulebook, have a campaign arc that has the two warbands that are, that are from the box set. And this is exactly that. So there's, um, you know, their initial game, and then there's a game you follow up if the Oscargon one or if they or if the um, Karnak one. And then there's one, you know, if they if they tie, then the, then it kind of ends there. But if they continue to win, then you go through the next sets. So in the missions and victory conditions and everything are different for each one. Um, and it, it's nice that it's tailored for uh, the result. You know, so okay, oh, okay, if the vampires have won this one, this is the one you do next. If they won again, oh, this is the final chance that the Claws of Karnak have. To, or they're beaten back, you know. So I, I think that narrative element of this campaign arcs are, are fun, um, and uh, and again they do that for each of the the books for for, for each of the war bands. And there's nothing that says you can't use other war bands and still use the same campaign arc. You just got to maybe tweak the flavor a little bit. Well, it's nice because it lets you play the story, right? Like half the fun of doing Warcry over um, some of the other other game systems is that you get a story out of it, right? You get to tell the story of of your guys doing your thing mm-hmm. the way you wanted them to do it the whole time. And that's that's really unique and is something to be celebrated for sure. So if you are really into the Hounds of Karanak, I have a, I have a buddy who's literally ravenous for the, <laughs> these models. And uh, I'm very excited for him to get his hands on some because he's a great hobbyist and he's a great player. Uh, but he had so many questions before even the book came out, he's like, what do you know? And I'm like, man, I wish I could tell you. Um, I don't even know what I know. But, uh, like, it was, I don't even know what I know. Um, but it was really just really cool to see how excited he was and where his brain went instantly was to, well, I think they'd be like this, and I think they'd play like this, so I want to put them on the table and see if they do that. And I was like, I, again, I wish I could tell you anything, but uh, – He's like, oh, this would be so cool, and these models are so sick. Look at this guy who's going to be a Karanek. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's that's your – and so we got to talk about Karanek, which was a good a good segue to keep him more excited. I think it went from like I'm buying a box <laughs> to buying four when they come out. And I'm like, this is this is the way. And now that I know their battle line, I'll be like, hey, buddy, I know you thought four. How about 12? Like- <laughs> nice. Well, 
Oh, yeah. And like, and to your point, Vin, I think it's nice that you buy the box, you get these two warbands, you immediately have all the Warcry tools, but you have this dedicated campaign arc for those particular warbands in this box to play right away. That's, that is definitely nice. Yeah, I've really enjoyed these campaign books to give you a little bit more lore on each of them uh, and background mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. I think it, um, it, it, creates a really well fleshed out narrative product um uh which i okay. <laughs> we did it again can't help it can't help it with these guys uh <laughs> any last things before we get into listener questions well there's the one more campaign art called primal strongholds which is essentially a, a siege battle kind of like you set up and some of the rules seem very similar to what you ran i didn't i didn't get a chance to play but uh but yeah it's set up for four players there's uh, five battles, and it's interesting because the first four battles, you play against each player. Um, twice you're attacking their fortifications, twice you're defending your own. And then the fifth one is uh, kind of, a, again, a, a multiplayer game. And it, it kind of depends on who lost and who are. It really comes down to, is your encampment secure or, or threatened? And whoever has the most secure encampment is a defender. And those that have threatened or, or uh, compromised encampments are attackers. And so, but it's a multiplayer game, and uh, it's interesting because you've got these different you know fortifications that you have to play with and against each other in that particular campaign arc. Didn't Vint? Didn't you? We were talking about you know like me building the cog fort and having these palisades. Didn't you say something about um, a game where everybody brings their own fort? I think you had that. Idea. This sounds like oh yeah. it sounds like they were reading yep, your yep. mind, even though it was already printed. <laughs> so you might think that with the yeah. GW avid yeah. listeners and time travelers, so if you're wondering, get a good, a good, a, get a look ahead. Uh, listen to Dogs of Warcraft. We're, yeah, we're so advanced; we don't even know what we don't know yet, but they know what we know. No, no, I did. I did think it'd be cool to do a, a you do the the four way siege or the four strongholds. And I think I think they're neat. Uh, I played with the idea a little bit more. I haven't gotten to play test it yet, but I think there's a way to do like the away mm-hmm. team and the home team. Um, and if you go kill somebody's home team with you know you get the most kills, et cetera, et cetera, with home versus away. And for every t- kill you get with your away team, it counts as two kills, and for every kill you get with your home team, are you it gonna make me go two warbands? Um, so like, dang it, awesome. Uh, yes, that is the plan. <laughs> Many, many, many warbands, <laughs> many, many forts. But yeah, no, I think I think it's fun. I think it's got some play. And now that they have rules for it, well, well, what's even cooler is is one of the sidebar, not really sidebar. They got a page I think dedicated to it. Is they have an alternate way to play a normal Warcry game now called Fortifications, where you can choose to have a be the defender and you you essentially get eight pieces of terrain. And you set them up, you know, whatever you want. And then the attacker sets up four pieces of terrain. The attacker gets two sets of ladders with some rules to put them on the fortifications. And the attacker gets uh, to add plus one to the renown rolls at the end of the game. But uh, otherwise, you take a normal victory condition and a normal twist. But there's a there's four dedicated deployment maps, or four or six dedicated deployment maps for this play style. And the defender is always blue. But this is a chance for, oh, I can play a game where I'm attacking an encampment. And uh, using this terrain set. And I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I've wanted to do. Like, building my uh, cog port, I want to have, like, arrangements. And I I thought about doing 
like um, random cards like we have now where you draw for what the arrangement is, but have it in like mm-hmm. a small cog for it or like early stage build and final stage build and everything in between. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like I love this idea. Uh, I liked it where, yeah, you give one person the ability to set up the terrain to fit their style. So like last week you were talking or last, sorry, last episode, Vint, you were talking about your, your, Corvus Cabal game against Stormcast. Well, what if it was perfectly fine for you to set up the terrain to your advantage because your Warband likes terrain? Uh, but they get the advantages mm-hmm. to offset the fact that you uh, set it up to your advantage. Like, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And there's six specific maps, and they have different, you know, the keep, the wall, to the walls, outposts, breach on the line. So they definitely factor into the different flavors of. Oh, this four bands coming after my encampment, or now they're more centralized in my encampment, or so it'd be. I think it'd be really fun to try some yeah. of those out and yeah. kind of tie in to, to what we got going on in the league. Let's jump to some listener questions because we've been chatting on and on. But you know, what do other people think we should be talking about? Uh, so, Josh, why don't you kick us off? We have so many listener let's, questions. Let's. So, we really do. That's, <laughs> there are a lot, lot of listener there are questions today. Some of them are kind My of just goodness. for fun, but yeah. But there are a lot of listener questions in here. And I'll start at the top. The first two. Let's are see easy. how fast we can get through these. Because there All is right. a lot. All right. I don't want anybody to feel like that. Armar enthusiast. Oh, no, we can seven. skip his. Mike. We can skip Mike. <laughs> no, no, we cannot. Yes. Shell <laughs> delivers. <laughs> Who would you rather have dinner with, the Cursed Blood or the Hound of Wrath? And I gave him my answer on the forums. I said, it depends if, if as long as I'm not on the menu. <laughs> I, I think it would be less likely to be on the menu with the Cursed Bloods, personally. I agree. I agree. But he's gone bestial. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of the Hounds of Wrath because oh, corn dogs, dogs, obviously. Uh, all right. All right. Is it what they're having for dinner is corn probably <laughs> And then his next question is, which other figures would you like to see or bands based around the way that Karnak has his hounds now? Yeah, what are some examples of like a Griffhound, uh, like a whole bunch of Griffhound lovers, like uh, the Griffhound <laughs> Kennel Club? <laughs> right, uh, right. I'm trying to think of it. I, I would love to see, um, you know, with, with the whole Age of the Beasts, there's been talks about, you know, people transforming into beasts, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of the Beasts of Chaos have, have taken them in. But there are examples of like Stormcast transforming into beasts that are associated with their particular um, regions where they came from, mascots, whatever. I think it'd be cool to see a warband where you've got some of the, like a Stormcast have been transformed or partially transformed, uh, are still in control, but are more bestial, you know, that would be neat. I'm going to take the question a different way because to me, I think he's looking for what, what hit, like, lore-wise figures would you like to see mm-hmm. warbands based around? Uh, I think it'd be really cool to see a... There's Tyrion, I think would be really cool to see like a bunch of uh, Lumineths or or um, something that way that are like Blademaster figures that aren't quite as that. Or of course uh, it's... Is it Malarian or Malekith? I don't remember. Uh, the Dark Elf. God, I think... I mean, we've got sh- uh, the Shadow Blades, which are cool. Canine shadow stalkers, but I think it'd be really cool to see see a dark elf uh, warband based based out of it. Um, and of course, my favorite of all of them, as much as I love Balakor and he's way up there, 
Lady Olander having like mortal followers Ooh. that are like worshiping the ghosts and specters uh-huh. in their head. The model range would be incredible. They would be beautiful and they would absolutely do some weird, crazy uh-huh. stuff. And I'm super here for it. My, I'll leave it. I'll end it with um, you get some uh, mortals that worship or um, even eat the, oh, what are they called? What are the Zinch demons? The, um, the horrors? Horrors. Horrors. And uh, they're, they're, uh, what they wear are uh, Snuggies. Uh, pink snuggies uh, with their heads, with their faces popping through, uh, and they just go. Yeah, they do onesies. finger guns and they go zap, 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 zap. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's what you get, Mike. All right. Uh, what does Joe want to know? Lots of things. Uh, so Celtic Joe uh, asks: First of all, how does the terrain compare to the first two sets? I think we bigger. Yeah, yeah, bigger, more walls. I think we covered that. Yeah. Um, if you, More closed off. If you had to rank the three sets in order to purchase, what would that be? If I only had the choice of one set, I'd probably pick three: the Blood Hunt. I would think. I think this. I have it. I, when I get my hands on this set, I like. I I like the idea of uh, taking the Palisade walls and separating them from the trees, uh-huh. and having the option to either uh, be there with them for the cards, or to separate them out so you can have like six or seven pieces of terrain. Cool. So I like this one. What do you guys think? Event. Well, I think I would say uh, I like the second one because it feels more like an Ewok village to me. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'd, I'd probably um, lean to the first just because you get twice the scattered terrain and uh, you'd have some cool, like the, the long skeleton uh, tree feature yeah. and some other unique pieces there too. Yep. Awesome. All right. Uh, this next question is: Does the lore fit snugly into the narrative created for Gur.0, or does it feel more contrived? Um, I, I see. I like. Yeah, it. I like it. I, I think they've you know kind of like they did with the with the eight points in our wedge of the of the eight points. They kind of expanded a different area of the Narwood that we've already had on the map, but now we know a lot more about it. I, I think that's nice. Well, yes. Is there a bone hole 2.0? Uh, not, no, no. I don't have any. I don't have any funny names for not, for not the yet. terrain that's here. Yet. No, <laughs> nothing came to mind. I mean, the bone hole just happened. It wasn't my choice. It was a gift from my muse. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, and um, what's your favorite model? Yeah, we've talked about that. Sure we did that yeah, one. So, so we covered those. And if you haven't built, have you have built it already? Any pointers on how you went about it, or wish you had done differently? Um. I built the um, ascetics, um, the Skurgan ascetics, which are the two two-handed weapons. I'm going to be magnetizing the ends so that I can swap different if I want to go with the blades or the maces. Um, so that's one thing that I think because they're exactly the same except for the, the tip, different yeah. tip. So um, yeah, and I think the only yeah. other aspect to that are. Um, the bamboo walls are, you know, will block a substantial amount of the trees in the base. So uh, I, I'm thinking I'm going to try and paint them separately, and then then either glue or magnetize uh, so that you can take them on and off. Yeah. So that's definitely some things to consider. You're also chopping up all of the basing for the trees so that so that if we don't have another another skull and spine. Right. Right. Yes. Uh, a base. So. Spicing it up. All right. Uh, our next. Series of questions are from Kalor. Is there more hunt in the blood or blood in the hunt? 
It's not what you could do for blood, <laughs> but, but, but what for blood could do for you. I have you. to say there's more blood in the house uh, in this one, that's my opinion. The blood bad ravage. I agree. All right. I, would, I don't have a reason to disagree. I'll <laughs> go with you guys. Um, how do you like the extra campaign missions in this book? Um, I think we talked about that and why we like the, the campaign arcs. But did you guys have any? I think more is always better. More options is always better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, what's your best your bets on factions in the next box? We talked about that near the beginning. Definitely going to be Slanish yeah. Destruction. We even have their locations on the map. Yeah. Uh, how is Paven doing? It is strict buying regimen. Well, I might say real, real quick. I might say that I think that the warband is going to be all hobgrads. Oh, that'd be interesting because our our buddy Will would love yeah, that. Yeah, he would. <laughs> uh, well, Paven is doing well. Uh, he's, he's he's keeping busy with family life because he had a new new uh, son on the way uh, this last summer. So he's been he's been keeping him busy, but he's doing well. Yep. Every for those of you who enjoyed the recording of our league mates. Uh, in the last episode, I did get a recording of uh, Paven came out that night, so I got to sit down and talk with him real quick. I'll see about uh, releasing that audio because he misses you guys, um, but he's also, you know, uh, understands that uh, um, you know we wouldn't be here without you know the amazing contributions he's had, and uh, he made me uh, forced me to say that we don't have a seat for him when he came <laughs> back. So everybody likes Paven. Excellent. Calor uh, also asks what. Life in Gur miniatures. Do you wish GW added to flush out the season more often? Mm, fauna and flora. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I think you nailed it. Yeah, some more flora or fauna would be awesome. I mean, I again, we've got the 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 Narlokes. the the allies. Like the, I wish we could get some more of them. Like we just got we just got the Marshall, right? That's mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. So I like. I mean, those are sort of the the flora or the fauna of the eight points. Would love to get you know some yeah like the raptor uh, like, you know yeah like baby megadons or something right. uh, the strange cat beast things that are in the trees and you know yeah or like a bush that wants to kill yeah. you I agree uh, I have a specific thing okay the Thondian yes. flathorn I, I want one so bad it's ridiculous like there's a lot of cool things. I want one of those. I will give a shout out to our buddy Mike, uh, uh, the the armor enthusiast, because one of the things he wants to do is so in the first uh, the first book, the first core book, I think they have a bunch of like little pictures of beasts mm-hmm. uh, and the bird and all this kind of stuff that appeared, and so he's actually working on um, finding models to fit all of those, uh, and actually the old Jabber scythe uh, fits one of those pretty. Almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there's some models out there that could really work for for some of these ones that they've drawn in the artwork. Yeah. Um, but then they need rules, right? Right. Please. <laughs> then Calor's last question uh, was answered by several people on the Discord forum, but uh, he asked, or he, she asked, "Do you have any advice for growing your local war cry scene besides starring in an amazing podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it's funny because we did have a couple of people that, uh, locally that found us through the podcast, which is pretty cool. Uh, but not everybody has that. Um, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I know we've, we've done uh, an episode on that in the past, mm-hmm. a couple of seasons ago. Um, our buddies over at, um, uh, what the Hex did, uh, an episode on that just recently that you should go and check out. That was really good. Maybe we could do an episode on that, uh, upcoming, uh, 
and we could maybe have some more of our league mates uh, tell us what we did right um, instead of us guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a, a big thing, a big thing is to to grab your friend. Like the the joke. I know we've we've talked a lot about Big Hammer on this episode, and um, I'm sorry, not sorry. Uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but when I go to events, the 40k teammates that I have will make the joke that like they'll walk by my table and they'll look at my opponent and they'll give them the look. They'll be like eye contact and they'll go, "Has he talked to you about Warcry yet today?" <laughs> and they'll be like, "No." And I'll be like, "Cool, thanks for the segue. Let me tell you why we should be playing this game in our break." And like, uh, you know, it, it, Wayne Gretzky and Michael Scott said it best: "You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take." Tell people about your hobby uh nerd out be cool like be excited about it be a good sport be a like a paragon of the hobby in the ways that Mm. you want it to be because you'll attract people by being confident and being excited about the hobby you love and this is a cool hobby other people are going to get out of it what you're putting into it and what you get out of it so like the more people you share it with right the more people will come to your war cry have extra war bands like the barrier of entry to Warcry is so low and it's so fun and it's so easy to get into. And you can, I mean, I can't tell you how many guys I've gotten to try it from the 40K group that I've just been like, you know what? We only have 30 minutes after this lunch. Why don't we go to lunch? You can tell me all about your 40K like theory crafting and list building and everything that way. But then afterwards, I want to play a game of Warcry. But then we only have an hour and a half. Cool, we'll get a Warcry game in after mm-hmm. our lunch then. Really? You think we can? And then we sit down and do it. And they're like, that was insane. And I'm like, so you're going to come out again? And they're like, maybe not, but I liked the game a lot. And then they go tell people. And what's what's happened is these people that do play or that are on the periphery or on the fence have come out and contacted me from different communities like Milwaukee, like Peoria, to make sure that we can, you know, hey, I hear you're into this. Would you help me set up an event? Would you help me walk mm-hmm. through these rules? Um all the way through to people that are going to be helping with the Adepticon events uh, in just a few short weeks. So you get out there, you be the scion that you want to be in the hobby and show everybody else how cool your hobby can be. Sorry, that was a little so Perfect. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's something you're great at uh, (laughs) too. So um, always be war crying. (laughs) Always, always be war crying. Where's the catacombs? Let's go. Uh, (laughs) Uh, So Damir, Somebody's getting loud. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> Damir has several questions. What is the part of Blood Hunt that was most surprising? There's a man in a in a Karen <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yep, yep, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're working on it, buddy. Good luck. Yeah, no, I don't have to go with that. That was a, it was definitely a surprising model. <laughs> Um, I think we've talked about our favorite parts of Blood Hunt. Uh, does anybody have the least favorite part of Blood Hunt? Hmm. I mean, other than uh, they want to be untamed beasts. <laughs> you know, I- I'm just saying my man's a stronger <laughs> beast critter than your beast, <laughs> Rock Tusk. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a matter of if you want more beast in your man or man in your beast, I guess. Air, oh boy. Air. Oh boy. <laughs> Stay tuned for the showdown. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And now we know how we're going to have something. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I don't think I had any super like little least favorites. I mean, I think you know, we talked about the scattered terrain. It would be nice to get a, you know something a little different, but you know, I'm still satisfied with it. That's fine. Yeah. Yep. And even though we wanted, uh, you know, Chotek uh, ruins, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this was a good. I mean, this was a great set yeah, of terrain. It's got some cool stuff. Yeah, and some neat rules. Yeah, I like it a lot. All right, Christling's got a bunch of questions for us. Are either the blood hunt? Can I read the first one? <laughs> are either the are either of the blood hunt factions really trying to get to Talaxis, or are they just in the gnarl wood for the decent <laughs> blood fights? There's a slash in there, but it's 100 percent blood right. fights is a right. word. So <laughs> I think it's fair. <laughs> no, yeah, there's some I mean, reference to like Corn may have sent them there to find something in the ruins, but maybe not. And Came for Talaxis, stayed for the blood fights. Right. right. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes, we need a t-shirt. Dogs of War Cry. Came for Talaxis, stayed for the blood fights. <laughs> season, season 9 shirts. They're on the way. <laughs> Any new lore on the eater pits or ogres in the Narrowood? No, only, only the little snid bit, tidbit rather, of uh, the ogres getting their butts kicked by the pale wanderer. That's about it. Yeah, they, they go through and bully everybody else. But they get beat up by one one uh, pale wanderer. <laughs> uh, just if that ain't kung fu, I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, right, exactly. Does anything suggest that time has passed between Sundered Fate and Blood Hunt? If so, are there any developments for the warbands from previous boxes? It's a great question. I think mostly just that the 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 Narwood has kind of been affected by the number of. Uh, how much attention it's gotten, how many, how much fighting has happened in, within mm -hmm. its uh, yeah. woods. Yeah, at least that type of particular aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. And uh, this last question, no, no, second to last question. It seems the availability of Sundered Fate and Blood Hunt is much better than Heart of Gur. Do you agree? Or why do you think that might be? I disagree. Okay. Uh, I disagree because I think Heart of Gur is better on the fact that you get a core book. And if you're going to show your hobby to somebody else, it helps to have. Well, I the think rules. the question is: uh, he thinks the availability dun, dun, dun. of the box set is it's harder to get. Oh, oh yeah, not accessibility. Right, the, right. The ability to find it on a shelf. Right. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think obviously Sundered Fate and and uh, Blood Hunt are newer, so they'll definitely be easier to get. But yeah, I'm not sure what the availability is harder for. Yeah, I mean, I think too. Like, uh, we had how much time between, uh, you know, our, you know, the last season before, like the last big release before mm -hmm. uh, Heart of Gur, right? And so there's there's this pent up demand for the next product, mm -hmm. and so when when you wait that long, and people, every the whole community is waiting that long, and then uh, that first product comes out, you don't know what's happening after that. I think a lot of people spent their money on Heart of Gur. And, uh, that's what, you know, if somebody has something, it's more likely to be that. And then they haven't bought these other ones. Or I think to, to vent your point, it's the one with the core book. And so mm -hmm. if people are going to buy one of the sets, they're probably buying that. And so I think and it, it's just been yeah. more in demand. And it does have slightly more terrain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, good points. Then last question from Crystaline. How do you, respond to the cause of Karnak coming after the title of Dogs of Warcry. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, right. Well, uh, you know, they can still chase us, but they ain't anyone who <laughs> catches. <laughs> uh, 
I guess I guess we'll just have to show him who the real alpha <laughs> no. are. Right, dang it. Oh. <laughs> You're in my playground, I boys. <laughs> I tried I tried science. I tried. <laughs> Alright. Uh, last few questions from Ekarion. Now that we are three boxes in the season, do you feel there is some progression in the story within the season? I think so. Um Yeah. yeah. I like we said, I think we saw that progression going faster towards Talaxis mm-hmm. and we're sort of it feels more like uh I mean if you if you use the boxes as a story, like they've gotten more fortified and more built up as we've gone. And so maybe there's a story of like people have hunkered down a bit more. They've figured out how to survive here more. They're um, you know, they're they're putting more resources into long term campaigns here. Um so I think I think if the boxes tell a story, it's that. Yeah, yeah. But but we, we certainly didn't get closer have... to Talaxis in this box that we actually right. kind of moved away and explored a different region <laughs> farther away from Talaxis. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's just the more... Askurgans have joined the fight! Uh, you know, like, we're just... We're continuing to add new new groups to the fight, and then we'll see if it takes us any closer to Talaxis. Mm-hmm. Maybe it never will. All right. Is there any hint on where we might be going once the season is completed, and where would you like to go next? Hint. Ulgu, <laughs> let's go. We're definitely getting Calaxis next box, right? Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. So. I, I think it'll be I a think year so, of Calaxis. Yeah, I think that's I uh, think. you know speculation is that we'll, we'll get a catacombs like season of Calaxis for the next season of Warcry. Okay. That's going to be so cool. I can't wait to throw somebody into a spawning pit. <laughs> yeah. And then I think Google probably sometime after that. Yeah. Very cool. Last question. Do you feel we would benefit from a Tomo champion this year? And if so, what do you think or hope the Tomo champions would bring to the game? So I think, let's see some things that it would, that it's done in the past. One, it's usually introduced things that didn't exist, so like uh, allies and uh, bladeborn and that sort of stuff. And I don't know that they need to do that anymore. Um, so the next thing it would do would be changing pricing. But then we've, I mean, we've got the compendium, which sort of takes care of all that, right? I'm struggling to think of what Atoma Champions would give us at this at this point, other than like all the white dwarf stuff packaged up in a book is something that we've speculated mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah, they could. What else would you guys like could, to see? They uh, could re-release the stuff, Bladeborn stuff in Tomo Champions 2021 uh, with updated, you know, uh, stats, points, and things like that. Uh, or, you know, they might do that as part of a fact or whatever, too. Uh, I think they could, uh, one of the, some of the older white, or older Tomo Champions introduce unique campaign systems, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, so they could introduce something like that for the Gnarled, um, which would be interesting. Yeah. I feel like they've, they've been the doing that through these. Yeah. They've done so much of that through these uh, campaign books, yep. these uh, warband books. Yeah. Uh, that I'm wondering what would be unique. I mean, like, I would love, like, they came out with um, the Siege stuff, you know, a couple of TOCs ago, mm-hmm. and we've sort of tweaked it. I would love to see something that's been playtested more, um, you know, things like that, that, that we could put into more games. Mm-hmm. But. Again, we're kind of doing that anyway. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, otherwise, they could come out with like one of the TOCs came out with a um, alliance specific lesser artifact table to roll on. That mm-hmm. could be fun. You know. Yeah, I'm just kind of hoping for like the general's handbook or chapter approved equivalent where we get points updates and rebalancing. Maybe some extra missions that are are matched that we can use in both matched and narrative. I think would be really cool. Uh, and I think every white dwarf article for the year should be in there as well, like an almanac. That's kind of what you have with uh, like Necromunda does mm-hmm. something like that already. Kill Team does something like that already. Even though those those releases aren't quite as popular, they they have them. And I think our Tome of Champions doing something with that as well as what it's been doing with adding a little bit to the game as well. I think uh, like the the Grand Alliance faction artifacts or updated artifacts would be cool. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm cool. hoping for. Nice. In it. All right. Well, that's all of our questions. Uh, any last thoughts, you guys? Um, I mean, just I mean, I like that uh, we've we knew that there was going to be four of these, and mm-hmm. we're three quarters of the way through, and we got another one to look forward to. I really enjoy this uh, consistent release schedule. Oh yeah, and you know, for kind of the energy it brings, and and to that question about. Um, you know, starting a league like this kind of support for a game helps a lot in getting people excited and know about it and familiar so that when you do ask people if they want to play Warcraft, they're not like, I don't know what that game is. So I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this release and I thought it, it gave us some really new, cool new um, things to play with the same way that the last ones have. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like the evolving, uh, story and, and tools to use to play and tell that story and, and uh, looking forward to where it takes us next. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what I think we're going to get with these releases and it's been proving to be kind of true is what they did with with uh, the Realms of Chaos and the Eight Points is they flesh out an area then they move to another area and you eventually end up with a bunch of pieces of this pie with still leaving areas left unexplored mm-hmm. to write your story in. Um, so I'm liking I'm liking where they specifically went with this blood hunt thing because it's going to be it gives us yet more room to write and uh, express our stories and express our experience yeah. our games and things. Yeah. Uh, now that we've talked about all that, we've kind of gone through what we think about the new expansion. Um, thank you guys for listening. We uh, if you want to hit us up, find us on the Discord at themortalrealms.com/discord. Uh, you can find me at dow-vint. Uh, on Twitter. Where can they find you, Josh? J.E. Arrington at, at Twitter. And uh, also, you can hit us all at dogsofwarcry gmail.com. Yeah, you can find me at uh, StoneMonkGamer uh, on Twitter or at our Discord um, uh, Sharon Holly mm-hmm. and encouraging uh, all the people we've got there. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good dog, support the show with a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. Share it with friends. Join us for hobby discussions at themortalrealms.com backslash discord or leave a tip at themortalrealms.com backslash Patreon. More content is available at themortalrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry. Cry.